Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. The other thing that's cool is we get to hear from a group of people today that uh, spent some time um, on a mission. Just recently, we partner with um, a group and uh, an organization called Hope for Kids uh, International. They also have Water for Kids International, Hope for Women uh, International. They have like Hope for Anything International. <laughs> it seems like there's a new idea. We're going to put hope for it over uh, and around the world. And so um, our church has been a part of that organization now for 19 years, coming into 19 years. And um, we get the privilege uh, of, of actually going places with them and being hands and feet out there. And so if this is your first time or one of your first times here, uh, this is like a cool update we get to do after they do a trip. Uh, and so I want you guys to be a part of that. Enjoy these stories and just try to get a glimpse into um, what God's doing through us and with others in our faith community. Sound cool? Watch this video. So as Pastor Larry mentioned, uh, we had 11 people come out from uh, Northgate, and uh, we partnered with 51 others. It was a total of 62 of us um, on this trip, this uh, two-week mission to Uganda. And we did a lot of things, a lot more than we can share in, in 25 minutes. Um, and a lot more people went than just these four. So what we're doing is we're having different people from the trip share different stories and different aspects of their uh, experiences. And we're going to put them all together online. So if you watch the webcast um, on our website, you'll get on all the stories that you didn't get in on. Because you were at this service, okay? So um, Hope for Kids does a lot of things. One of the big things that we partner with them with is, um, is the Water for Kids program. And through our Walk for Water, um, we have raised the, uh, the funds to be able to drill nine different wells um, throughout Uganda. And uh, it's a very exciting thing. Because each well services a wider location. It services a village, but all the surrounding area. And each well services a minimum of about 1,500 to 2,000 people. Um, and, you can just, and, and that's the smaller ones. It, just, it, it grows exponentially. And that's a big, big thing. Um, another thing that they do, uh, and a big thing that we have been a part of, is child sponsorship. And so um, Lynn Hannafin, I'm going to have her share first. This was actually her very first trip to Uganda. And... Um, what were you thinking? Why did you go? Uh, I was in a situation where um, I had a life upheaval, and all of my friends, the only way I survived was all of my friends. The support was just overwhelming, and so many people came and, and saved me. So I tried to figure out a way to give back, to show how much I appreciated everything that they had done for me, because there was no way a simple thank you was going to be enough. And then, so I decided to go to Uganda and see what I could do to help. And to say that it's life-changing is an understatement. Sorry, okay. <laughs> uh, to say that it was a life-changing um, experience is an understatement. Um, I found that it gave me the chance to exercise parts of me that I don't get to exercise as often as I would like. And the first one was bravery. I was not as brave as I thought I was going to be. Uh, the other one is kindness and giving to other people. Um, the realization that it's not all about me, 
And then this one I just had the epiphany just the other day. It's like, I really have everything that I need to be happy and how grateful I am for that. So when I was there, we went to a well dedication. It was really hot, my stomach was a little upset. So I stayed behind and sat under this beautiful tree with the pastor of the village and just kind of watching village life. And we were talking, and I was just saying how impressed I was with Hope for Kids and all of the different things that they did to help. And if you, and I was asking if you only had to narrow it down to one or two things, what is the most important? And he said number one was the well, the fresh waters, because that affects so many people. The other thing was education, um, that the youth is the future. It's kind of too late for the old people, just like here for us. <laughs> But, um, but it's all about the kids. So, okay, I'm thinking about this. And then I think it was that night, a gentleman that we were with, Pastor Bob, was ex talking to us about a girl that he had sponsored about eight years ago. And when he first met her, he sat her down, and they were sitting on a step, and he, she had her girlfriend with her who was not sponsored. And he said to this little girl, Jose Josephine, listen, if you promise not to get pregnant, and to work as hard as you can at school, I will send you to university if the time comes and if that's what you want to do. So he's telling the story, and I went, oh, that's really nice. The next day, we go to a debate. It was middle school, two middle schools. And there was a moderator, and it was this lovely, beautiful, elegant, articulate young woman. She was just so impressive. Well, it turns out that's Josephine. So. A couple of nights later, she joined us for dinner, and she and Bob were talking, and she was saying to Bob, remember when we first met, and you told me I would, could go to university if I wanted to, and I was sitting with my girlfriend? Well, that girlfriend is pregnant, ha already has two children, and has no hopes and no dreams, and I have all of this hope and all of this dream. I want to go to university to become a teacher to come back and help the kids in the village. And it was like, I go, okay, I have to do something. So I ended up sponsoring a little girl. Her name is Faith. She's eight years old. I got to meet her and spend time with her. Um, she loves school and she loves church. Her favorite hobby is playing. And um, so my hope is that I can go back and, and have that connection and that someday she's going to come to me and say, I want to go to university to become a doctor or a teacher and help her. Next. One of the other things that we do um, on these trips, um, especially if we've got uh, medical personnel, is we do a medical outreach um, where we will go out into the bush, into a village that, that has no regular medical care. Or sometimes they have maybe a small clinic if that village has been sponsored by a church back here that has built that. And um, Lori Austin, um, this was actually not her first time. Um, she had gone a number of times already on medical missions, um, but this was her first time going with Northgate. And uh, I'd asked her to share a little bit about the medical mission and then what was different about this time. Several months ago, um, I came to this church for the first time looking for a faith community. And the very first day I was in here, I heard Pastor Ken talk about going to Uganda. And I thought, how does Uganda keep coming up in my life? I never picked this. And, um, and I felt, well, I must need to go. So I signed up, went with this group. And 
there were four days um, which were just medical outreaches, and I went to two of them. The one village, or the one village is sponsored by this church, and uh, in that village there was always hundreds of people waiting to see us. And this one man came in, and he had a rag over his mouth, and he wouldn't look at me. He didn't want me to smell his breath. And um, this is a really tiny little clay room we were in. And uh, finally, he showed me his mouth, and it was um, filled with oral cancer. And it was um, obviously very advanced and painful. We were able to give him uh, antibiotics and some ibuprofen. And for him, uh, he would not have gotten it otherwise. And this did uh, help take his pain away. Um, so he was incredibly grateful. Without that, he would have been, uh, suffered for until his end. Uh, in another village, we saw similarly several hundred people, and there were three patients that stood out to me then. Uh, one was a, our first, my very first patient, Wegging, was a guy who had a, a massive gangrene on his ankle where here we would have never gotten that advanced that far, and these diseases are definitely further there. And you compound every one of these guys, people with their diseases, with malaria and with uh, infections from the water. And we were able to give them all medications for their um, infections from the water and treat those who needed malaria medicines. Uh, the guy with the... Um, Gangrene, we were able to give antibiotics and, again, some pain medication. We were able to give him a ride into the hospital to get that surgically fixed. Uh, it would not have happened otherwise, um, and he would have passed um, a, a painful death. So that was uh, really a godsend for him. Another, uh, there was a woman, 30 years old, of four babies um, she was carrying. She was a widow, and she had a horrible eye uh, injury that caused it to become very infected. She went to the doctor in town, which is about 20 miles away on a bicycle, and uh, the doctor wanted $75 to take care of this eye, and she couldn't do it, so she came back. Uh, the eye was um, so infected that she would have died from it, and these babies would have been left without a mother. Uh, we were able to give her antibiotics at that time, but she needed surgery, and that $75 we were able to raise amongst our group, and we got her in to have surgery, and she will live a good life and take care of those babies. One that really struck us all, I think, was a woman uh, who was in her ninth pregnancy, had uh, syphilis and malaria, and she was delivering right in front of us prematurely. And she was very um, scared, very childlike, uh, had no one to support her. And we all were able to sit in a room and pray for her and be with her. And what she wanted was um, to not be alone and to feel the support. And she felt the support of God through us. Um, and I believe she was very much comforted by this. And you wonder, what is it that we do when we go there on some of these medical missions um, when it might be a temporary fix? But what it does is it takes away the pain, the suffering for that moment, that time they would not have had otherwise. It gives them hope, and it makes them feel supported. Um, and I think we are the eyes and ears and hands of God in that situation.
One of the other things that we do um, is we provide a spa day. Um, it, is a, it is a way to kind of just pamper um, some widows. And um, most of them have very, very hard lives. Um, it's not uh, unusual for uh, a woman, uh, a husband, to maybe have two or three wives. Um, the husband has died from AIDS. Two of those three wives have died maybe from AIDS. And now there's uh, a widow left with six, seven, eight kids, maybe only two of which are actually her biological children, but she is now caring for and has to work in the fields, works very, very hard, and to have an opportunity to just love on them and, um, and minister to them in a very, very tangible way. And um, Erica Beadle is uh, here to share a little bit about women's, uh, the Widow's Spa Day. Good morning. Um, I went because Lori said I was going um, <laughs> I don't attend this church, and she said that um, we're going to go to Uganda. And I was like, all right, let's go. Um, I go on, medical, on mission trips a couple of times a year, so I figured, yeah, this will be a piece of cake. I saw the itinerary, and my plan was to do all of the medical stuff. I'm a mole paramedic. I went, widow spa day? Are you kidding me? So when I got there, I realized that this trip wasn't so much about physically building, but relational. And for me to be able to be there in a matter of service to where I was present in the moment rather than thinking about the next thing I had to do was much more of a gift than just building a house or painting a church. Um, the Widow Spa Day was very special for me because I enjoyed these women so much. Everywhere we went, every time we got there, there was a group of these widows. And now you gotta remember, the nation, the men of my generation are pretty much gone. They don't exist. Um, so the population is widows and orphans. We would show up and these women would be dressed in their finest. And most of them would have little pink um, graduation caps, caps on because they were part of Hope for Women where you can sponsor a woman for a year and she gets vocational training, learns how to read and write, Christian business fundamentals, and then some seed money, and she becomes self-sufficient. That way she's able to support her children and the community. It is an amazing, amazing program. These widows would dance for us, we would sing. I mean, they know how to do church, y'all. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're lame when it comes to church, <laughs> sorry. Um, but just in the act of being able to sit with these women and wash their feet and give them nail polish and paint their nails, paint their toenails, give them lipsticks and just love on them was a matter of, to me, it was the, the biggest gift I could give them just to be with them for a moment and talk with them. Even though we, most of them, we had a language barrier, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if they were Christian, if they were Muslim, what, it didn't matter. And even Pastor Ken could do it, too. Um, he's yeah, he's pretty good at all that. Um, the other thing that impressed me is we gave them this small plastic bowl, some soap, and petroleum jelly. I mean, less than $4 American. It would have taken most of them between two and three years to save enough money to buy that. I just, like, are you kidding me? Um, but these women were full of joy, full of graciousness, full of gratitude, and had more love to give than I knew what to do with. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And I do have to say, um, one of the things you said earlier this morning was you, you were a, a grace-filled church. 
I am living proof that you're a grace-filled church. I have never come into a place as a stranger and felt so loved on and so supportive as I did with this group in Uganda. Thanks. And this is Jessica Sweepy. Um, she just had an amazing um, experience and, and kind of an epiphany um, that just came. And I, and I asked her if she would share that with you. Um, so there's plenty of different activities and outreaches for us to do while we're there. Um, and one of the many opportunities was to go visit the hospital. And at the hospital, we were going to be handing out soap, uh, toilet paper, bags of sugar, and then praying for the, pe- for the patients. And so I chose to go on this. And um, as we're headed there on the bus, they're preparing us for the experience that we're going to see. And that it's going to be a very emotional experience. Um, and that when you think hospital, you think of clean, sterile, um, and that it's not going to be like that at all. Um, in the maternity ward, it's bed after bed after bed after bed, and there's no separation, and the, a woman will have a miscarriage and still be in the same room with all of the other women with their babies. And in the children's ward, there's women sitting with their children on the floor, and they're packed into these small rooms. And so I'm trying to prepare myself on the bus over there, and we get there, and we start in the women's ward, and go to maternity, and then into the children's one. And we're praying and we're taking our time with these patients. And um, by the time we get to the children's ward, we've run out of most of our supplies. And so all we have left are stickers. And stickers become gold. And everyone wants a sticker and they're so excited. And um, all of these women are lined up holding their children, asking for the stickers. And the women want the stickers too. And I just kind of take a step back and um, I own my camera. And so I was. A lot of the time I was the photographer, and so I'm just watching everyone's interactions and watching these women and children's reactions to receiving one little sticker. And um, I, I kind of turn around, and back in this far, far corner is this little tiny boy. He looks maybe seven or eight years old, and he's just all alone back in this corner on the floor. And I turn to go walk towards him, and he pushes himself up off the ground with every bit of strength that he has. Um, IV's still in his hand, and he kind of, he hobbles over to me, and before I can even get to him, he's moving faster than I am, and um, he looks up at me with these big, beautiful eyes, and I'm staring at him, and then I realize his eyes are bright banana yellow. And I get completely lost in his eyes, and I'm overwhelmed and overcome, and I I don't know what to do. And as I kind of come out of that moment, he's holding and shaking my hand and telling me thank you. And remember, we had run out of all of our supplies. We had nothing left. He didn't even get a sticker. And he was telling me thank you for just being there. And... Suffice to say, I I lost it. I was pretty much done for the rest of the day. Um, I hurried back to the bus, and we we headed back to the hotel, and I sat there, and I was journaling and trying to come figure everything out and why that boy with yellow eyes 
how, why did that get to me so much? Why did that touch me to my very core? Why did that wreck me? And Pastor Bob comes over and he, he goes, I, I want to show you something. And he turns around his computer and had, he had gotten a picture of this little boy. And I just started crying. Those bright yellow eyes, they just, right to my soul. And he just puts his hand on me and I say, Bob, I don't, I don't know how to process this. I don't know what to do. And he tells me, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. And with that very small phrase, it was like everything became clear. And what it means to actually be living on mission, whether you are overseas, whether you're in the States, um, in your everyday life and when you're walking, it's how you are the hands and feet of Jesus in every single day. And that's what I was to that little boy that day. I was the eyes of Jesus, letting that little boy know that he is seen by our God, the Father, and that he is his son, that Jesus died for him. And it made me think back on all the times in my life that the Lord has brought people into my life to make sure that I know that I am seen. And how many times he uses each one of us in each other's lives to know that we are seen. And it was just this incredible realization of how much our God loves us that he would orchestrate these amazing events and these interactions so that we would know how loved and how special we are. And that that's really what it is. It's about presence, it's about loving people, and it's about being those hands and feet of Jesus in our everyday. Thanks, Jess. Um, this was actually my sixth uh, trip to Uganda, and, and sometimes I get asked the question, well, why do you go? I mean, why, why do you go? Because I mean, four or $5,000, couldn't you just send that money? I mean, wouldn't it be much more cost-effective? Wouldn't it do a lot more if you just sent the money and they could do something with it? And, and on one hand, I think, yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, the solution is not always to throw money at things. And I think in our culture, we've got this idea, of, well, we'll just send the money, we'll just send the money. Money is, money is important, giving is important, but it is not a substitute for action. The last words Jesus left with his disciples is go. <laughs> go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age, which means we should never stop going <laughs> to the end of the age. It's our job to go. And, and there's some of you here that need to go on one of these short-term trips. Maybe going isn't your thing, but there is something you can do because all throughout Scripture, we are given instructions and commandments and urgings to do something, to act. Um, Micah 6, 8 says, What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those are actions. To, to love, to act, to, to walk. They're action Verbs are things to do. Uh, James 1.27 says, Religion that our God, Father, and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
said, this is, this, is, this is pure religion that you look after, that you care for those in need. And then watch out for yourself as well. This week, we had the opportunity to, to be one of the satellite locations for the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit. And one of the speakers, Brian Loritz, um, made this comment. I wrote it down, and I haven't had a chance to fact-check him, but I'm going to trust him. He said that there in, in the Bible, there are over 2,450 references to orphans, widows, poor, and needy, which means we have a responsibility to do something. Remember the story that Jesus told, the parable of the Good Samaritan? He didn't just throw money at the problem. It says he came upon the man. He got off his donkey. He went to him. He bandaged up his wounds, pouring um, uh, balm and, and oil on it. And then he put him on his own donkey and brought him to a place of safety and took care of him. He did something. And I think that's the call to every one of us. You can sponsor a child. $31 a month will change a child's destiny. It will absolutely transform it. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. It changes you when you go. And, and, and it does something deep in your soul. This is what Jesus said. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, and this is the part we don't often listen to. Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Those are some powerful words. To do is to become the hands and feet of Jesus. To not do is to ignore the very thing he has called us to do. And everybody can do something. Out in the lobby, when you go, there's a place you can sponsor a child, $31 a month. It will change their destiny, change their future. And it will cost you less than a week's worth of Starbucks. <laughs> maybe, maybe sponsoring a child isn't you. Maybe going on a mission trip is not you. But you can do something. And I think that's the point. It's going. It's doing. It's acting. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.